Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of the East Anglian Theatre Podcast. Welcome to the party, pals. If you like your festivities to involve listening to a man in his 30s talk at you, adding absolutely no value to your existence and using pathetic humour in a vain attempt to cover his lack of quality content, well, this, my virtual friends, is the metaphorical party for you. For those that haven't had the displeasure of meeting me, my name's Ray Tempesta. I am your host. Think of me as the guy at the buffet table that touches all that party food. You still want what's on offer, but it's just been slightly soiled. If you've not listened before, there's a whole load of crap that's gone before that you've yet to hear. For those that have, you'll know that the podcast is split into three parts. Section one is where I like to think people have an interest in what I've been up to in the world of theatre. More often than not, this is a review of something I've seen recently, but sometimes it's a general update as to the other theatre-y things I've been involving myself in. Section two is the part where I have the chance to annoy someone face-to-face as I interview a guest who's involved in a local theatre company or is touring in the region. Best of all, you get a break from my voice. Who bloody Ray? And finally, section three for the endurance specialists among you is where I take a quick look at some of the upcoming shows and audition opportunities on offer in the region. That's all coming up, of course, but first let's take care of some of the boring but necessary admin. The East Anglian Theatre Podcast has a Facebook, Twitter and Instagram account. And it kind of has to, because without the stats to show me what little impact I'm having, how else would I keep my self-esteem so low? Other than with mirrors, of course. If you happen to come across my pages, please do consider giving them a like, a follow, a share or or whatever. You can also find all episodes of the podcast, plus my reviews for the various shows I've seen, on my website, eatpod.co.uk. That's E-A-T-pod.co.uk. There's also a page where you can contact me to let me know of any shows or auditions that you'd like me to mention, or even if you'd like to endure some misery yourself and be a guest on a future episode. Or just send me an abusive message. It all helps the algorithm, probably. Anyway, now that's taken care of, let's officially move on to section one, where I ask myself, what have I been up to theatre-wise recently? Well, in the previous episode, I interviewed a couple of people involved in the Theatre Royal Bury St Edmunds in-house production of The Secret Garden. I went along on opening night to watch it, and for what it's worth, here's what I thought. From top to bottom and everything in between, this was a magnificent production. Now, I'm not going to waste precious words giving you a synopsis, as it's based on a very famous novel by Francis Hodgson Burnett, but if necessary, you can educate yourself with a quick Google search. However, there is a little bit of context required ahead of my review. Firstly, this production was specifically adapted for the Theatre Royal Bury St Edmunds by Nicola Waranowska, and what a fantastic adaptation it is too. Secondly, I featured professional actress Olivia Carruthers, who played Mrs Medlock, alongside the co-director David Whitney on the podcast last week, and they explained that the youth element of the production was effectively divided into two teams known as the Robins and the Roses. Such was their strength in numbers that they had two entirely different young casts, so which of these you see is entirely down to which of the performances you came along to. For my part, I had the pleasure of seeing the Robins in action. Now this performance was led by Jasmine Briggs in the role of Mary Lennox, And when I say led, I really do mean it, as she assuredly kept the story moving as the main protagonist. Throughout, Jasmine made me entirely forget that I was watching a largely community production, such was her confidence and poise on stage. 
She was more than able to hold her own alongside the professionals sharing the stage with her, and she showed not even the faintest hint of opening night nerves. It was absolutely word-perfect, her projection was superb, and just generally gave an all-round impressive performance. The two other lead youths in this performance were Dylan Bavsar and Oscar Gleason, who played Dickon and Colin, respectively. Dylan played the kind-hearted working-class Dickon superbly as a kind of gentle foil to Mary and Colin's more straight-laced sensibilities. He had a little less to work with in terms of a character arc, but he looked completely at home on the stage and gave a great account of himself with a very sensitive, mature execution of the role. Although only appearing in the second half, Oscar had plenty of time to impress as Colin graduated from entitled and brattish infant to a more optimistic and pleasant child. Oscar well and truly seized on the opportunity, giving us a wide range of emotions, but without ever resorting to overacting in a thoroughly enjoyable performance. There were seven other young actors who played the Guardians of the Secrets, a chorus of onlookers who watched the action of the play from the outside. Their roles were created especially for this production, and they fulfilled their parts admirably. It would be wrong of me to single any one of them out, as they worked so well as a cohesive unit, bringing an element of physical theatre to the way they moved around the auditorium and, and on stage, and often speaking as a collective. What was notable, though, was the focus from each of them. It's not uncommon to see at least one or two slightly bored or unfocused members of a chorus, and that includes adults as well, but these young people remained in character and on the ball and did not miss a beat, which contributed to a very slick performance. With young people very much front and centre in this production, you could almost forget that the adult cast is made up of four professional actors. But professional is the operative word here, and what they produced and helped to bring out in the young cast was exactly that. Olivia Carruthers used her experience and stagecraft to eke out a few laughs from the audience as the put-upon Mrs Medlock, and was a joy to watch whenever she appeared. The excellent Graham Dawling had the most emotive part as the grief-stricken Mr Craven, which could have led to some scene-stealing moments in lesser actors, but he restrained himself, which in particular allowed Jasmine as Mary to spar with him, rather than finding herself overpowered or, or competing. Colette McNulty gave us a brilliant performance as the housemaid, Martha. She played the part in a slightly flighty manner and had an air of youthfulness about her, which meant that she was entirely believable as a confidant of Mary. And finally, Paul Hamilton gave us some humorous moments as a slightly crotchety but ultimately kind-hearted gardener Ben Weatherstaff. Many things impressed me about the production, but one of my highlights was the musical score composed by Oliver Vibrans. It was wonderful to hear something created specifically to fit the production, and at every stage of the show the music helped to perfectly match and even create a specific mood. Another highlight was the lighting, and normally if I'm mentioning lighting it's because I'm a bit thin on the ground for things to praise, but that isn't the case here at all. I'm mentioning it because a lot of thought had clearly gone into every element of the production, and the lighting was no exception. There was well-crafted atmospheric lighting throughout, but I particularly enjoyed the flickering footlights creating a warm hearth at the front of the stage, and the silhouettes that they projected onto the backdrop. I'd also never forgive myself if I didn't remark on the set too, it appeared fairly simple at first, with a large angled brick wall covered in ivy which for the most part sat completely still and untouched. Gradually though it hinted at the secrets that lay within as it came alive every now and then, until Mary unlocks it and pushes her way through to the other side. It was very, very impressive. And a special mention to the theatre itself for the captions on either side of the stage. Though I didn't need to make use of them due to any disability or preference, I actually found it quite handy when some of the actors' accents became a bit too thick for this Norfolk lad to understand. But for those that do prefer or need to make use of the caption facilities, they are a real asset and you can be reassured that they worked brilliantly. 
I really could go on and on about what a fantastic production this was, but I'll give the final bit of praise for the wonderful job that directors Owen Calvert-Lyons and David Whitney have done in producing this remarkable and stunning piece of theatre, creating an environment where young people can work alongside professionals as equals. I hope this is the first of many plays helped to develop by the Theatre's Commission Circle, as it really proved itself to be a worthwhile project. Anyway, now all that praise is finished with, we move on to the main feature, and I'd like to introduce you to someone who has fairly recently formed his own company, Raising Cane Productions, where so far he has showcased his original writing with quite some initial success. At the time of the interview, Raising Cane had just come off the back of a successful run of their debut play called My Other Half at the Edinburgh Fringe. The he I'm referring to is Christopher Saint and Clark. So, without further ado, which is a shame because I do so enjoy an ado, here is an interview with Christopher Saint and Clark. Hi, Chris. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me during what's been a busy period for you. My first question is really to do with Raising Cane Productions itself, the company that you formed. Now, it's fairly new, so I wondered if you could start by explaining your, your motivation for starting it up and what your aims are with the company. Sure. So my motivation and I, and I guess kind of identity with the, with the company itself all stemmed from the first film I had written, which was uh, our play, My Other Half. So that was kind of just a lockdown project. I'd written it, not expecting to ever do anything with it. And I uh, took it to the theatre director where I work or used to work at Sheringham Little Theatre. And she said that the script was amazing and it should be on stage. And I kind of decided at that point that I was wanted to be the one to do that. I wanted to be the one to kind of have control over it and, and to produce it. So, so Raising Cane was kind of formed as an identity to, to create my other half. So the two are very kind of linked together in that sense and uh, we've kind of found its identity is is quite and it's cinematic storytelling quite dark and edgy theatre our dark comedies um yeah obviously raising came means to kind of upset the norms and, and be different so I, I quite like i'm quite proud of the title yeah and and although one of the key reasons we're here to is to talk about your latest production and and sort of mini tour it would be remiss of me to ignore your most recent one my other half you just finished a run of it at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, yes. How, how was it received? It was received really well. We didn't quite get the, the kind of press interest uh, that we, we were hoping for. But in terms of like, audience numbers and just people coming along to see it and talking about it, we did really well, I'd say. I just worked out this morning, we sold about 60% of our run on average across across the run, which for a first-time Fringe goes that's really quite impressive i'm not really sure how i did it um but but we had some amazing feedback we've had so many people talking about it i've been working with a lot of i work at space uk here and they are the company that also took the play so there's also a lot of kind of buzz around the colleagues and staff here about coming to see it and they really they really helped me in terms of promoting it and recommending it to to clients and customers so um it's done really well I've got a kind of a lot of feedback on kind of where I want to take it next. Um, I've been recommended that it comes back here next year for a potentially longer run because um, we were just at the point where we were really starting to build a buzz for it and and the run ended, unfortunately. Um, but it, it went really well, definitely. Oh, good. I mean, it, it sort of occurred to me, actually, given how well it, it seems to be received locally, as in within East Anglia and obviously the same in Edinburgh. It probably would have been tempting to, to book a tour of the show post-Fringe. Yeah 
potentially bringing it back to the fringe next year. I mean, do you have any plans to take it on the road later down the line? I do, but I want to kind of... How my other half is at the moment as a one-hour, one-act play, I kind of would like to shelve it as it is now. Um, I've been given lots of feedback on ways of kind of extending it and making it into a, a full full length, maybe an hour and a half play. Um, so I would like, to, as a writer, to to work on bringing more out of the script, I think. And and then I will look at touring it. Um, I've made a good contact here who does lots of producing up north. So they know a lot of kind of northern venues that, that would be well suited for it. So that's kind of my next my next steps for my other half. I think before I do do anything more with it, I want to to make it a bit longer. And on to your newest production or productions. And it, it's a two-hander in the form of two sort of half-hour thrillers called Last Shot and Confess. What can you tell us about the respective plays? Cool. Um, I don't know if you know Inside Number Nine. Yeah. They're very much of a similar style to that. They're they're very they're about half an hour long each very dark plays with very light dialogue, light comedy in, in terms of, of the dialogue, but, but very dark and twisting plays. They were created because a, uh, a friend of mine who runs a little festival in Norfolk called Guestwick Festival. Not many people have heard of it. It's just a tiny little kind of folk event. He was a personal friend of mine. And after hearing about my behalf, wanted um, a play, wanted me to bring a play to, to this festival. So I wrote Last Shot, to be kind of performed out in the woods at the festival. The premise is that a director is filming a scene out in the woods and basically the audience kind of stumble along and watch it. And we trialled that in June. So we did we did a performance at the festival of Last Shots and uh, it went really well. So Confess is yet to be produced. We haven't done that one yet, but it's the same cast. Um, that one I wrote for A Village Hall. So um, both of these kind of can be toured into a village hall or a theatre. They're kind of set in the location of wherever we toured them to. Um, but yeah, it's just dark, thrillery, comedy fun, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it occurs to me, actually, that three shows in your repertoire so far are all described as dark comedy thrillers. So is that that your calling card, so to speak? I think so. I think it's becoming... I would like to try write something a bit more just comedic at some point, but but certainly at the moment, that's kind of what I've fallen into, yeah. And you've hinted at it with the, the mention of Inside Number Nine. As someone who produces their own original material, what what do you draw on for inspiration? Or you know, is, is there any particular writers like Reece Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton that that inspire you? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm always kind of embarrassed. I don't kind of see as much theatre. I, th- I think and get inspiration from that as much as other creatives in theatre do. Most of my inspiration does come from film and television, which I like to then adapt for theatre. So massively, Rishi Smith and Steve Pemberton. I think they're absolutely brilliant. Um, there's a director called Ben Wheatley, and he created um, Sightseers, the film Sightseers. Um, that's another huge inspiration, all of his films. I was probably watching them from probably too young an age, but um, they're kind of the films I, I found myself watching. And then as I was writing my other half, just um, a huge stylistic thing for me was, was the programme Misfits, UK one. Yeah, I've, I've pulled in bits of inspiration from lots of different things. Mm. But um, in terms of writing, definitely Reese's with Steve Pemberton. But I like to borrow lots and bits and bobs from different films and TV. And on to your background in the creative arts. Where, yes. where, did, you, where did you start from? And, and was a career in this field always the aim? Um, no, it wasn't always. No, it was. I wanted to go originally into film. and I've always liked acting. So I went to Paston College where I did my A-levels and I studied 
film psychology and drama that I really love drama I really love acting and uh, I felt very pressured at the time to, to kind of go to uni and do something uh, but I didn't I decided I didn't want to do that um, until I kind of knew exactly what it was I wanted to do and then after that after finishing college Debbie Thompson who is the partner of my drama teacher um, was looking for an assistant stage manager over at St George's Theatre in Great Yarmouth for a panto and Simon my drama teacher recommended me so I kind of started working backstage massively uh, doing stage management I then took on an apprenticeship at Sharing the Little Theatre doing doing tech and yeah I've now left the little theatre to go freelance and so I kind of I'm always working in theatre even when I'm not doing it as a creative mm. which is really nice and it's also helped me Working at Sharing Little Theatre has helped me create my company because I, I see all the contracts that come in. I see how they do it, all the performance details. I've learned a lot from kind of being there. And so I kind of do a lot. I've learned a lot from that. And you've got a small um, East Anglian tour booked in for Last Shot. and Yes. Are you intending to try and extend your reach beyond that area? Yeah. For my other half, I would like to extend it out of of East Anglia but at the moment for Last Shot and Confess I I quite like I'd quite like the smallest this is, these are meant to be small scale theatre they're meant to be performed in little village halls and little rural, rural areas so I'm really trying with these ones to attract those kind of smaller towns and villages that might not necessarily go to the theatre a lot so for the moment yeah I'm keeping these keeping these in East Anglia and so do you keep an eye on what other touring theatre companies or what venues they're playing to see I do, yeah. I keep it. I always keep a close eye on companies that are probably a little bit bigger than me or of similar size and where they go and what they do. Uh, a big one is kind of Feast Theatre. I often follow kind of where they go, and I've just and I'm always so impressed by everything they do. I think they're brilliant. And yeah, I do. I do just kind of keep an eye out on, on where different companies go. Or I, I mean, a lot of these venues I found village halls wise. I've just uh, put a message out on the Stanglian Theatres Network on Facebook and just had some everyone so supportive and amazing on there and kind of suggesting places. So um and then a couple have I've found just from touring my other half. And we had a really good success uh for my other half over at the Headgate Theatre in Colchester. Mm-hmm. Uh so we've kind of it's a bit further out than the rest of them, but we'll we'll head to that one because we did well there last time. Yeah. It also occurred to me, I mean, you, you've got sort of a small cast in on your productions typically. I mean, is that a, a deliberate choice born out of necessity from a practical and logistical point of view? Or do you have any plans in the pipeline later on to try and produce a sort of full scale, almost an, an ensemble piece? I don't at the moment. I don't uh, have a plan to, to do a, a kind of, yeah, any ensemble piece. I really like at the moment. I think I'm a strong believer that limitations in budget and limitations in cast size are one of the the best things for creativity um i, I think that in film and tv and in theater i think if, if you are limited in your scale you can create much more creative work i think if you've got all the money in the world you can i think maybe lose sight of the more creative aspects of it so at the moment i really do like the, those small scale um intense dramas with just a few few cast I'm actually writing something at the moment for which would be just for one actor. Um, so I really do like like it small scale at the moment, but I certainly in the future would like to write something bigger. Yeah. I guess the final question really should be regarding Last Shot and Confess. Why do you think people should come and see it? And what do you hope they'll take away from the performance? 
why I think you should come see Last Shot and Confess is just they're really good fun. They're they're I think with my other half, it's um, a lot edgier. It's more complex. There's a lot of kind of other stuff going on. But these these are just here to kind of thrill you to 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 make you enjoy theatre in your local area uh, on a small scale. They're meant to be gripping, funny, twisting stories, and yeah, they're here to entertain. Okay. Well, thanks very much for your time, Chris. I really, really do appreciate it, and realise you've got plenty of other things to be doing right now. Yeah, so um, yeah, good luck with the rest of your time in, in the Edinburgh Fringe. Thank you so much. So there we have it. That was Christopher Saint and Clark. What a lovely fella, eh? If you like what you heard from Christopher, why not show some support for this fledgling company and get yourself along to one of their upcoming performances? Last Shot and Confess will be playing at the Halls in St Andrews Plain in Norwich on the 20th of October at Broadswell Village Hall near Deerham on the 22nd of October, North Wyndham Community Centre on the 25th, Alsham Town Hall on the 26th, Headgate Theatre in Colchester on the 27th, and Sheringham Little Theatre on the 31st. And may I recommend you have a look at RaisingCaneProductions.com for more details. Now, what else is coming up in the region in the next few weeks? Well, with apologies to the good people of Suffolk and Cambridgeshire, This section, this time, is rather Norfolk-centric. First of all, Slow Theatre Company is casting for their outdoor show, The Ghost Hunter's Mark. They're offering two weeks of paid work between the 16th and 30th of October at Deepdale Camping and Rooms in Burnham Deepdale, which is kind of north-west-ish Norfolk. They will be touring the production to care homes before moving the show to the outdoor set. They also state that they have a climate change pledge, so ideally would like to offer the work to someone in West or North Norfolk to cut down on travel. But for more information, you can email info at slowtheatrecompany.co.uk. Another opportunity in Norfolk is Quiz, which is a collection of eight monologues curated by Mark Gatiss to mark the anniversary of the 1967 Sexual Offences Act. The monologues are set to be performed at Sewell Barn Theatre in Norwich in January, with the auditions taking place on the 4th of September. They're on the lookout for eight actors, and in addition, the director would like to devise a new monologue in collaboration with a transgender actor of any identity, ethnicity or age. To arrange an audition, contact the director, Michelle Hutchings, via email. The address is m.hutchings1 at outlook.com, or of course, for full details, visit sewellbarn.org. Also auditioning is Sproston Parish Players for their upcoming panto, Red Riding Hood. They're holding auditions for parts in the production on the 1st and 8th of September, where anyone aged from 7 upwards is encouraged to come along. In addition, they're also looking for new members in general, not just the attention-hungry people like myself. So if you'd like to get your hands dirty backstage, they're more than happy to have you. Visit sprostonparishplayers.co.uk for more info. And do you remember I spoke to the wonderful April Nash a couple of months ago? Well, she is an integral part of a brand new company called Open Door Theatre in Norwich, and they've created their own original production, a musical for the diehard fans called Yippie Kaye. They're also on the lookout for auditionees. I'd recommend taking a look at their social media pages for more info, as they've really gone to town with the detail, but the key date is currently the 4th of September, where they'll be holding in-person auditions. However, they are also accepting video submissions if you're unable to attend in person. And finally, this one is all about me. And a little bit about Shakespeare too. 
I've joined up with the Palace players as they celebrate some of the work of the Great Bard. The Church of St Martin's at Palace Plain in Norwich will be playing host to us as we perform a selection of speeches and scenes and a special creation unique to this year's theme, Amazing Inventions. Performances will be on Sunday the 11th of September at 11am and 1pm. They're free to attend, however, as the production is in association with the Norwich Historic Churches Trust as part of the Heritage Open Days, there will be a collection to raise money for the Trust if you can spare a few quid. I look forward to seeing you all there, right? Yeah? Good. And that, my friends, is all I have time for. I'm off to practice my monologues in front of the mirror and pretend that I'm Laurence Olivier. Thanks so much for listening to me and Christopher Saint and Clark ramble on. Your support is very much valued. And tune in next time to hear from Tom Appleton from the Jubilee Youth Opera Company in Suffolk. Until then, take care of yourselves and go watch some theatre. Bye. <laughs>